This is what Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 says. I'll read probably to about the 21st verse, but this is what it says. Uh, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. And we look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him. And finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme to the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. He says, so spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. And not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe and people and things and animals and atoms. I'm in Cambridge, so I got to get smart with y'all tonight. Get properly fixed and fit together in a vibrant harmonies, all because of his death and his blood that poured down. From the cross. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the worship that's already happened. God, it's, you're here. It's undeniable. It's undoubtable. And we thank you, God, that you want to speak. And so would you just hide me behind your cross that I would decrease and you would increase and that people would see Jesus more clear than they ever have before in their lives. Help us to get the vision and the views of what you want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, Views. You can have your seats. Views. So, uh, you know, the moment that, you know, I kind of got the call that I was going to be coming up here, um, it was it was unreal because, as I said, Bishop Green is like, he's a teacher's teacher. You know, I learned how to talk Greek through him as long as I can remember the Greek word for and then just revelation just pops out and uh, so when I first started preaching I was like you know the Greek word for amen comes from the word a and men and then you can <laughs> like 16 saying it don't know what I'm talking about um, yeah so but one of the cool things that you know, you get an opportunity to kind of talk. And one of the things you realize is that, man, like there's so much things that are happening right now in our world. And it almost seems like people need and are looking for something that's greater and bigger than this, this moment. You know, there's this time that, you know, when we see what's happening in the news and in different parts of the country where there's injustice happening all around and, and specifically this town is not stranger to that historically. And so there's this incredible moment where, the church has this opportunity to say, speak to 
something that could literally shape the culture for the coming generations. And for me, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, well, what's happening? Like, what are people looking at? What are people listening to? And it's easy because we all have these devices on us, right? If you have a phone, pull out your phone. If you have a, if you have a, if you have a Galaxy or Samsung device, what are you doing with that? Y'all need to get out of here. We're about to explode and y'all can't ride on airplanes anymore and but one of the cool things that's happened, and especially like being around, like I said, I got a chance to walk around town and kind of just see all these incredibly brilliant people and all these different universities. And my father-in-law, he's, he went to MIT, so I'm trying to see like, man, this is the context where he was in and all these wonderful people that are here. You know, all these imaginations and this innovation that came out of this town. It's unreal. And, and one of the things that kind of came out of this place was this device that we use. And now it's not only enough that we just use it to talk on the phone and to say hello to people. And now, like, we actually can do the Star Trek thing where we have a, we can video talk each other and do that. And it's not as cool as we thought it would be, but it still works. And so, like, we're able to, it's able to happen. Um, but also, strangely enough, is like, you use this device for about a thousand different things. Could you imagine what you would need in order to accomplish the same things that the iPhone does? It's a calculator. It's a, it's a accountant. It's a wallet. It's a, it's a, it's a knife. It's a flashlight. All these things. And, and not only that, like it's a boombox or a CD player or an eight track player for some of you guys or a vinyl play, vinyl disc situation and um crazy enough though like this music thing has just become something that's like i'm just blown away by because i can literally listen to any song i want to when it comes in my imagination just from just selecting a, a song on this phone and it's strange because as i was thinking about kind of what we would be talking about tonight i was like man i wonder if we were ever to get a proper perspective of who Jesus was and what it was he accomplished, would we be able to see him in light of what he's done? And would that actually change our context and our environment? If we saw him the way that he was, would things change around us? Because as I'm looking at what's happening in culture and when I'm seeing what's happening on, on universities and we're seeing what's happening within politics, wow, like we need Jesus. So I was thinking about how, like, how could this work? So I started listening to some of the stuff that's out right now. And there's this artist by the name of Drake. And um, I've heard of him. Is anybody a Drake fan in here, unfortunately? Good, only, only two of y'all. Okay. Yeah, so, like, Drake is this huge mu musician, I would say, maybe. And um, it's unreal. Check how Drake is so big. When his album came out, the first week he sold 840,000 copies of his like record. And not only that, it was streamed 245 million times on Spotify and Apple Music. Apple Music, actually, because he has a contract with them. And so it was 245 million times. And as I was thinking, I was like, we love this guy. He's amazing. He blew the records. You all who are Beyonce fans, like there was an album she put out called Lemonade. And... She was pretty much mad at her husband, it sounded like. And um, and uh, that was the largest streaming album to that moment. 
And if you don't know what a stream is, we're not talking about something that they're doing this weekend in, in Charles River. Like this was a, it's, you can listen to it on your phone and it just plays magically. And so one of the things that, that happened, like that album was so big, it actually sold more than the largest streaming album at that time. And, and he's everywhere. It's, and you listen to it. And, and again, like I, I'm a fan of hip hop. I love the culture. I'm a part of the culture. And so I realized that, that even though this is so popular, like why is it so dominant? And he has this album that came out called Views. This was, this is the album that I was talking about. And, and Views did amazing numbers. It went off the charts. And I was thinking about something. I was like, man, I heard this word Views. And, and he was kind of like on the cover. He's like sitting on the, like, I guess it's like the top of this building in Toronto. I don't know how he got up there. I was just sitting there, but it became a meme. And everybody, if you guys have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, I was thinking, I was like, man, like, what if, what if those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus got the proper view of who the Messiah was? And if we were able to properly put him in the view of who he is, would we be able to see the same dominance in life and space because we follow him? And what I realized, you know, as I, as I was thinking about this idea, I was like, man, I wonder because our world is looking for answers. We're looking for hope. We're looking for people that, that have solutions to the problems of this day. And, and for whatever reason in God's providence, it seems like the church at times is not the place where people go to get solutions. It seems like they look at government and, and government clearly doesn't have the answers. And then we look to other people in places and it's like, well, God, why isn't the church in a place where the, the solutions of the day are found in the body of the people that you've called to see you? And I was thinking, I was like, man, maybe it's because we don't have the proper view of who he is. So tonight I want to talk to you in just a couple of ideas about the views that you should have in order to impact culture. Because there's something that happens when you get your perspective correct of who Jesus is, everything, the way that you see the world changes. And when I'm looking specifically at our generation, there seems to be people that are looking for answers and solutions and they're, they're trying to describe their solutions and they're trying to, to, to take pictures of their solutions and they're trying to say, hey, I am the solution to your problem. And all these things are happening and yet it doesn't seem like the world is getting any better. And so my, my just pragmatic approach to that is like, why aren't the problems being solved and what is our responsibility to the times? And I feel like if we're going to gather and worship God and experience his presence and hear his word, I don't think that he would want us to do that and walk out of here and not have solutions to the, to the problems of our day. Because if we see him for who he truly is, everybody that I ever read about that encountered Jesus, they left differently. They, 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 they didn't just worship. They didn't just sing. They didn't just hear a preached message, but they actually walked away completely different. And from that difference, their context and their world was completely turned upside down. And if Jesus was able to do this with about 12 men and some women, if he was able to gather these people together, then I'm wondering what could happen if now he has a new generation of people that understand worship and they understand to put him in his proper view and they can come together and hear and then live out that word, what would our generation look like? And the responsibility that we have is so pressing that if we see him for who he is, then everything changes. So I want to I want to open up this idea first. But this first idea, and this is this, and if you can write this down, it says that, I want to challenge us to view him for who he is 
versus who the world says that he is. Because this is what I know about about people that follow Jesus. It's hard to, to keep a fresh perspective of Jesus when you hear about him all the time. You know, like, for instance, this this church where this writing was happened, it, this this gathering of people, these Colossians, they were an interesting group because they were actually in this town. This town was like a, a, a merchant town. It was a trade town. It was known for trading that would happen. It was a place of culture where it was happening and there were movements happening and different thoughts and ideas. And it was a place where ideas were being exchanged all the time. And one of the things that happened with this idea is, is there became like these spirits that people would then try to entertain so that they could get access to God. And so they started practicing weird stuff. Go like this. Go weird stuff. Y'all aren't shaking your head. Weird stuff. So, so they had like these, so the church that Paul then established there, he left there and then they started taking in some of these kind of like strange practices. So if someone was about to die, then they would say, Hey, we need to call the spirit of the sun and the spirit of the sun's going to come and we're going to pray for him to be okay. And then we're going to take a little bit of paganism from here and kind of put that in the church a little bit and some Gnosticism over here and kind of add that to the church. And we're going to have this kind of stew of spirituality. And when I was thinking about our generation, specifically today, I was like, you know, it seems like a lot of people, we say it, are spiritual. And you could talk. I was at Harvard's used bookstore today when I was walking around there. And so I'm looking at all philosophy and Western civilization and all these different ideas about how you can access fulfillment and contentment and how you can get there. And I was thinking about this group of people in Colossians. They had all these different ways of trying to figure out God, and yet they lacked the power that what they needed to operate to follow Jesus. And when I look at us today, I think that, that maybe our view or our perspective of God isn't correct because if our view was right and if we viewed him for who he truly was, then everything would change. And one of the things that Paul was so intentional about addressing these Colossians, he said, listen, I don't want you to think that Jesus was just like a hippie picking lily. Like he was just a, he was a hippie that walked around with sandals and flowy hair and he kind of just floated around the day and he would just say these like poetic things and there was just these great sayings that he said because the way culture goes is if you take the cue of who they say Jesus is, then you'll have this idea that he wasn't a revolutionary, that he wasn't a person that came in to break the established, that he wasn't a person that said, listen, I care for the least of those and I care for the marginalized and the ones that are disconnected. That's my concern. But if we think about what culture would say, it was like, well, why, why would you try to follow the, the teachings of an ancient person? And it still be applicable in 2016. Because if we don't view him for who he is, then everything that what we do to follow him will be incorrect. And one of the things that I realize in trying to view him for who he is is hard because, you know, at times we experience things that are a little bit difficult and you experience a lost loved one or you experience a job loss or you're experiencing some tension with your relationship and, and then you come to church and you're at PT and the worship is like this and then when you leave out of here, you got to deal with the same stuff. And so my, my question is to those of us that are trying to follow Jesus, do we view him for who he truly is versus who the world says that he is? Because if we viewed him as supreme, if we viewed him as all-powerful, if we viewed him as all-knowing, then everything about our life would be different. But culture says, what are you doing at church on a Friday night? Why are you here? 
Culture says it's not worth you sacrificing the things that make life fun for the sake of a teaching of this guy who said he was God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for you to be in your 20s and kind of half-heartedly serving Jesus. Because you think about it, you're giving up too much to follow something that a lot of people in your age range don't really get with. So why would you kind of just barely lift up your hands? Or why would you kind of just... And do like the Frisbee worship, you know, the... But see, if you're, if you're in your 20s and you said, I'm going all out for God and I'm going all out for you, you're already all the way in it. So why don't you give him all that you have? It doesn't make sense to kind of half-heartedly follow him. If you've already made some decisions, you've relocated from one area and you just happened to be in Cambridge and the strange circumstances for how you ended up in the church and now you're here and you don't even know what you're doing here. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here on a Friday night. But it would only make sense for you to go all the way. So see, what the world will try to tell us is who our God is. And what we have to have a firm confidence is, is the same thing that Paul was talking to the Colossians. He said, listen, you need to understand that above and below, angels, angels, up, you can stuff you can see, stuff you can't see below, all of that was created. By Jesus. Because again, they were spooky people. And he knew that they were used to talking about stars and galaxies. And Paul, he's such an amazing communicator. He can relate to anyone. He became all things so he could win a couple. And he just did it all. And the way that he did that, he said, okay, I'm going to talk to these spooky people that like this spooky stuff. And I'm going to tell them about the reality of this heavenly father that they're enabled to serve now. And so he spoke that way. That's the reason why he talks about angels and things that you can see and that you can't see. And then in Ephesians, and he goes an entirely different way and he tells us about who we are. One of the great things that we can establish is we cannot let the world dictate our view of Jesus. Because see, you are giving up too much to let them tell you who your Jesus is. There's too much stuff that you sacrifice for the world to say, well, yeah, he's not real. But one of the things that happens when you view him for who he is, everything changes because now you're willing to step into a sacrificial life. And that sacrificial life that you're willing to step into is only possible when you keep the proper perspective of who he is. And it's one thing to see it happen. It's one thing to experience it. But when, 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 when you know it and you know that he is who he is, there's nothing that can happen that'll change or frustrate the reality of that. And, and you've, you've been through enough time, enough life and enough times that have happened to where you want to know God. I want to, I want to see your power. I want to see your presence. I want to know what you have for my life. But for whatever reason, like this problem is in the way or this relationship is straining that out. And if we were actually able to see him as the God that is literally in control of all the broken, disjointed pieces in our life, then it would only serve as a venue for worship and an opportunity to when we see the brokenness in our lives and we see things that, that, that we seem like, man, like why is this happening? And this is not fully complete because when I was 19 and God spoke to me that, hey, David, Lydia's your wife. I was like, great. So I'll be married in about a year and a half and, you know, we'll date and, you know, I'll, I'll get her stuff for Valentine's Day and, you know, we'll, we'll go out and pay expensive dinners and do all that stuff. 
The guy was like, nope, what's going to happen is you're going to wait six years, six years of rejection. And then when you're not even thinking about it, her heart will turn. And see, what I've realized is that our process in, in trying to view him for who he is, there's everything in our circumstance in our life will try to dictate and get us off the track to see him for who he is. Because if you were ever behold how powerful and how amazing and his splendor for who he is, then it changes you because you're willing to live a sacrificial life that's worth giving everything up for him even through the circumstances and the craziness. So number one, you got to view him for who he is versus who the world says that he is. This is this is another thought I want to share with you. You got to view him as supremely powerful. You have to view him as supremely powerful. There is this uh, brand called Supreme. And it's a streetwear brand uh, out of New York. Started in 1994. It's this um, this brand that started some skaters and slash hip hop people. And they kind of stay true to this thought and this idea that uh, in order for you to like invent things, you got to be original and be yourself. And so this street brand Supreme, they're, they're so big now. They're so like mainstream. I was in a couple of the shops down here and I saw some of their gear and it sells out a, a $50 T-shirt. It sells online for $400. It's just, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Kids buy it, resell it, and, and it's only limited in like a couple of stores around the country and around the globe. It's a, it's a thing, but they're like considered the number one street brand, like in streetwear, supreme. And I was thinking about this idea about what it means for, for Jesus or Paul to use the word about Jesus supreme. And he said, you know, he is supremely powerful in everything that he does. And again, as I'm looking at our generation, I'm like, God, why are we not seeing more miracles like what used to happen back in the day? And I'm wondering that if maybe it's because we don't see the healing that, that we've seen in the past and that our grandparents, that our parents told us about or that our fathers told us about what happened because maybe we have an improper perspective of who he is. Because in all actuality, maybe we don't view him as supremely powerful. Maybe we view him as an answer to our problems. Or maybe we view him to the, to the thing that will get us out of trouble. Or maybe we view him as something that is momentary when we're going through some struggle and some suffering. But the moment the suffering is over, then kind of we're back to our normal way of living. Or maybe we view him for like, God, I want to know my purpose. Would you give me a purpose? And he will, but that's not why he showed himself to us. He showed himself to us because he said, I'm going to flex my power so that you can understand that in me, through me, by me, all things were created for me. And if you can live in that reality, knowing it's not about your story, it's not about your struggle, it's not about your hardships, it's not about your suffering, all those things matter. But in the whole scale of things, what I'm trying to do is get you to see me for who I am. And if you view me as supremely powerful, when you have a, a relative that's sick or you have a coworker that's going through some struggle, you don't have to worry about, okay, God, now it's time to pray. You don't go, itaraba, itaraba, itaraba. All right. You know, Jesus can heal you if you just believe in, he doesn't need all that. 
Because if you walk in the knowledge that he is supremely powerful, the moment you hear the story, then you, without you being real deep, man, God has great things for you. I'm going to pray that you healed you in Jesus' name. And you've got to be deep about it. And God just uses you that way. Because he's supremely powerful. And one of the things that I, I think about our generation, I'm like, God, would you be able to use us in a way to where we could see the miraculous happen with our generation when people that are saying you have to be medicated and we're going to diagnose you with this and we're going to call you this and we're going to say all these things. I'm like, God, will, will our generation stand up and view you as powerful? And when we view you as supremely powerful, when those circumstances come in the way of our lives, we will not allow it to dictate our reality, but in turn, we will actually set the temperature and say, no, in the name of Jesus, you're going to stand. In the name of Jesus, you're going to see authority. In the name of Jesus, this will not be this way. Prove it. And I think what our generation is looking at, our time is looking at is saying, can you prove it? Because there's a lot of people that shared the same message, but it kind of died with them because they didn't live it out in a way that was worth paying attention to. And if the power of God is active in your life, if this translates to the life that you live, then people will look at your life and it has to be appealing and attractive. Because if it's not, they're great songs, amazing worship, great buildings. But it's not enough to change the heart of a person to follow into eternity. And if we can operate knowing that He is supremely powerful, then we will walk into the anointing like we've never seen before because it's not we're deep. It's not that because we spend a lot of time with Jesus. It's because that our world needs us. And now we have the opportunity to prove it to our generation. And when I say our generation, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about people that are younger. It's just everyone that's alive at this time. And so one of the, the realities is like within this scope and scale of life that we have, would God be able to prove it through us to them that he is who he says he is? And that's the reason why you cannot be afraid to go to places where it seems like you're not invited. That's the reason why you can't be ashamed to kind of represent the faith that you've been cultivated and created in if, it, if, you, if you realize that there's more to this life than just what's happening right now. You've got to take a stand and say, Jesus, send me to places, the people that are not like me. Send me to places that people that need a word. Send me to a place where there's right now there's destruction and there's chaos. Send me there. Send me into fashion, send me into business, send me into the arts, send me into education, send me into the different realms so that when people, I can prove it on your behalf in those spaces. Because the, re the reality is with favor and grace doesn't mean anything if people that are not like or if not following Jesus can't see it. We're just, we're just kind of impressing each other like, oh man, God's using me. Like really? Wow. He's using you. And we're just kind of buffering each other's armor. But rather, if we don't go out and go to people that need the message and the broken and the downtrodden, those that say, no, there is no God. And why would I give my life up for that? You can go and prove it to them with demonstration of power. So when one of the realities that I, that, that started happening, I, I was telling you about this conversation that I was, I had with Bishop Green about, you know, God's just like doing something in me. And I, I like this, 
I have this burden to just to, to, to talk to people that are a little bit different and, and some things. And so I got with my pastor and he, I said, man, like, let's let's get some people together who are doing some some things in culture and kind of share about the faith lens that they had. Because what started happening was the moment he said that and the moment I had this conversation, one of our other pastors, um, Bishop Hilton, you guys know Bishop Hilton if you've been here. Bishop Hilton, he, he he came to me and like it was a Sunday and he put his hand on me and I was like in the corner just kind of like he just preached and it, I was trying to get myself together because it was really that good. And then he um he laid his hand on him. He said, man, in the anointing that's on my life, I want to see it happen in your life. And he started to pray that way. And there was a fear that I had because I, I was like, God, like, I don't know if if I'm able to carry out what it is I feel like you're saying to me. And I told him about it. And he said, David, like it's already happening in your life. So what was going on is all these people who were not believers and they were fashion people and they were artists and designers and musicians and things like that. They just started kind of like we just randomly got associated. I can't even explain how it was. I'm a youth pastor, have been for 15 years just about. So there's no way that our worlds would cross or intersect. And so these Grammy producers and these like designers, all this crazy stuff. Like we just started having these conversations. They were just like, yo, well, if you ever need anything, you know, we got you for free. So I was like, okay, went on this trip. And then guy who's the creative director for Kanye West, like we started talking and he started sharing with me his life, like his life had nothing to do with anything regarding anything. He started telling me about his life. So I'm just listening. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. And then some other people who were similar circumstances, different people, like it just started happening. So I was like, God, like what is going on? But then I remember the promise that God gave my wife. He said, when I link you guys together, you guys are going to battle on behalf of your generation and you'll represent to people that need me. And then so I started thinking about the seven years that it took for my wife and I to get married and all the things that I had to experience in that moment. And then now, you know, standing before these people that I have no business talking to. And I realized all of those moments and those ideas, they were the qualifiers for me to have a credible conversation with these people because they need to see someone that can prove it. And if you jump out of the process and don't let him prove your own life, then you won't be credible when the person that needs you is in front of you. And so one of the ideas that I realized, and as this stuff started happening, it got crazier and crazier, and it was just unreal and just crazy stuff. So this whole time, I'm just like, God, the only reason why you would do all this is because you want people to see you as supremely powerful. I was in New York and we were talking with some people and they're like attorneys for like, they didn't even tell me because they couldn't even tell me who it was. And these designers for all these other people. And I was like, man, like I, I you know, at the time I, I was like designing clothes a little bit. I had done it when I was in high school. And so I was like, man, like, let me, let me give another shot at it. Cause I was with a group of people and they were like, man, like, that's like, like, that's the stuff that Kanye's about to come out with. I was like, really? So the dream that I had when I was 17 years old, the moment I recommitted my life to Jesus, it was clear as day. And he said, David, I want you to give your closet away. 
I said, God, I'm about to go to school. I'm going to go to Howard next year. Like, I got to be, I got to have clothes and go to Howard. You know? I went to y'all's yard. I went to Harvard's yard. Howard's yard is complete. The real HU's yard is way different than this HU's yard. And uh, way different. And uh, so, and I was like, God, I'm going to college next year. And then he, he said, um, he said, David, you give me your closet. I'll give you a clothing line. So I said, okay. So bagged up a bunch of bags of my clothes and shoes and put it out on the curb. And I was I never considered myself like a creative person at all, at all. And um, three weeks later, like I started getting all these design ideas and all these visions of stuff. And it was literally like when you recommit and you commit your life to Jesus, he unlocks the potential that's inside of you. And again, I want you to keep it in context to see that he's all powerful. And so I that I started working on stuff and a couple people um said, Hey man, we'd like for you to join our design team. I was like, no, I'm I'm doing this church thing. And um these guys from BT one time came to me and said, Hey, we want you to like host our broadcast and host our show. We're like doing this show called 106 in Park and we want you to host it. And at the time I was working with our students and I said, No, like I'm gonna I'm here in Virginia and we're doing something here with our students. And I remember when this was all happening, you know, there's nothing flashy or sexy about youth ministry, like, at all. You know, there's nothing, you know, we're make, trying to make sure they get back from the amusement park on time or, you know, try to make sure people don't, don't fight at the, the youth night. And just, you know, just there's nothing impressive about this stuff. But the thing that was happening was we were able to deposit and pour our life out to these kids. And this was 13 years later. And then fast forward, I'm back in New York having this conversation with these guys. And we're in one of these, like, cool sneaker boutiques. And the owner is there. And you know, these are guys that are in, like, magazines. And we're there, like, having these conversations. And, again, I'm a pastor. And so... um I said, you know what, man, I'm going to go start this thing. I'm going to just go home and just see what happens. So, again, go home, start designing stuff, working on stuff. And, I mean, I can't even tell y'all the crazy, absurd, jubilee favor that has happened in the past year and a half so that we can prove it to our generation. So you could list them off and they're all like have the car. And so I'm having these conversations with these guys because it's not about the thing that you're doing. It's not even about the job or the, the, the task at hand. It's not about that. It's about him proving it to people. They're supremely, he's supremely powerful. And the only way that he'll prove is that you have to be willing to lay something down that's going to cost you more than what you're willing to give up. Because on the other side of that obedience, there's places, I want you to hear me well, there's places that he wants to send you and there's people that he wants to put in front of you that you can't, you, you have, it's out of your wildest dreams who he wants to use you to impact. So if you were able to lean into the sacrifice and view him as supremely powerful, and if you don't pay the price to prove it, you stand before him, if you get there, you won't have anything to say. 
when I realized all these years of the process and things, and I'm still in it. It's like it's not over at all. Like I'm still in it. I'm realizing, man, God, if if I would have jumped out and quit and stopped, and if I wouldn't allow you to process and prove it in my own life, I'd have nothing of substance to offer this person that is literally about to commit suicide, or this attorney that has all types of money, and then they come to me and like, yeah, like I I cut myself last night, and I was ready to to just end my life, and they're like, are are you like a you're like a like a counselor or like a priest or something, aren't you? I'm like, I got this robe on. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a, one, so, something like that. Something like that. We need to let God prove it to view him for who he is. This last idea, and then I'm going to pass it on, is that it's not enough just to make sure that we view him for who he is versus who the world says that he is and then view him as supremely powerful. But we're actually able to view him because this is important, that your view of him dictates the view of yourself. And this isn't anything real deep. But what I've discovered is that when, when we don't have the proper view of who Jesus is, it's impossible to see us who he's created us to be. And see, as long as our view is off, then we're not able to see ourselves as an overcomer, or we're not able to see ourselves as empowered, or we're not able to see ourselves as more than a conqueror. We're not able to see ourselves as someone that has something to offer people that may not believe the same way that we do. But if we view him the way that he's viewed us, then it all changes. One of the verses that I read there in Colossians that he, he said he's Messiah. Messiah is, he's come, he's saved us, he's here, he's, he's right here available for you to get what you need from salvation. And he said, not only is he Messiah, but he's central, meaning everything in our life revolves around him. And if we make our lives revolve around him, and we view him as the head of the church, we view him knowing that everything was created, all the dislocated, broken areas of our life is all held together by him. We view him that way. It's impossible for you to watch something and take your eye off of him because the moment you view him for who he is, you walk closer to who he is. And the moment you come closer to who he is, you become more like him. And what Paul was trying to remind us is in this same passage in Corinthians. And he said something that was amazing. He said, listen, in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, he said, my message and my preaching, they weren't with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so what happens is as you view him properly and you view him as supreme and you make sure that the, the view is correct and then now you view him not only just for who he is, but now your view of yourself changes, then you become that person, that, that generation or that individual or that particular family is looking for. And the moment you begin to view him properly, then everything changes because you begin to look completely different. You know, something that I, I thought about this idea, and this is, I want to read this to you guys. This is what it, this is the idea that I was thinking about. It says, you can't know what you can't hear. And you can't follow what you can't see. 
So when God is saying, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to know me in the fellowship and suffering. And I want you to understand who I am when things aren't right. I want to know. I want you to know who I am, even through persecution. I want to I want you to know me even when circumstances aren't correct. If you can know him that way. Then it changes how your view of yourself is, because then you realize you're not just the one suffering to suffer. You're not suffering just to kind of go through some problems. You're not suffering just so that, you know, you say, I'm just struggling. How are you going through? But, but the Bible says, he says in Philippians, he said to know him in the, in, in the beauty, he calls suffering beautiful. And then you realize that there's a fellowship, there's an understanding that you have with Jesus that you weren't able to get that when everything was right. But when everything is crazy and it looks like your world is falling apart and it looks like the the message that you're hearing is not the reality that you're seeing and all those things are apart, but yet until you want to view him in his proper perspective, then you get to hear his voice a little bit more and you draw closer to him. And then in you just listening and looking, you begin to follow him closer. And in you following closer, you begin to look like something that you could never do by yourself. And the question is, can we exemplify that to a world that's looking for solutions? And if we can exemplify that reality, to view him as supremely powerful and to view him, that it changes how we see ourselves. And that same truth, that message, everything changes. So the question that I have tonight is the same question that Drake put out to 245 million people. What is your view of him? And can we align our view with the reality of who he is? For the sake of the people that are looking, searching, hoping for something greater than their reality right now. Because there's people, I want you to lean in and listen, there's people that are looking for you in places where it might be uncomfortable for you to go. And if you're willing to be obedient, to let him work some things out in your life, and you're willing to be able to step into a place where you may be uncomfortable, God, by his grace, by his empowering favor, will draw you into those places. And you won't have to try to be anything because he's already created you like himself. And the moment you show up, and you're there and you're just doing your business. You're crunching numbers. You're there dictating. You're handling business and all these things are going on. You're working out. You're doing your thing. Someone comes and they're like, man, like my family is jacked up. And you can't just be like, my family's jacked up too. <laughs> it is though, but you can't say that. But what makes me different is that I have a hope. And when I think about the young black men that we're seeing right now, they're looking for hope. When I think about the places and the people where our nation is so divided, they're looking for hope. When I think about all the different regions where people are cheating and lying and putting the, 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 the most of them first and the least of these they could care less about. But when we think about it, God, we're the only solution to this world's problems. And why would he let us encounter amazing worship? So that we couldn't 
impact and make a difference in that world. But if we're able to say, God, I want to view you for who you are, you can take 12 young adults and teenagers like you did with the early church and start a rebellion that flips this world upside down with the love of Jesus. And that's our desire, and that's what he wants to do. This last scripture, I'm going to read this. More than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And this righteousness, which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's the view that I want. It's tall and broken.